G'day guys, welcome back to this week's episode of Dylan Friends. This week on the show, none other than, wow, one of the greatest Essendon forwards of all time, if not of all time, Matthew Lloyd. Incredible get Lloyd on the show. I've loved him actually. I've Even though being a Carlton supporter, loved watching him play, loved him um, in the media and I was lucky enough to sort of cross paths with him as a junior footballer um, in the ranks. Yeah, just have really been keen to catch up with him ever since and and have a chat, which has been cool. And I think it, when you when you see him in the media and you see him commenting on certain things and doing a new career now, you forget how fucking good this bloke actually was at footy as well. And we learned today why he's seriously one of the most driven um, and honest people. Um, I reckon we've had a, the pleasure of having on the show, hearing his stories, just incredible. His mindset at such a young age to be, you know, drafted to Essendon um, realistically as a pick one as a 16 year old to demanding, pretty much demanding to be playing football, Kevin Sheedy's office to become the player he was is pretty incredible. And to hear how ruthless his standards were, not only on himself, but on his teammates as well was, was really, really cool um, to hear. So I think you'll enjoy this episode. I certainly did. Even there, plenty a lot about, um, you know, his career now in the media and everything else he's doing outside of that, including property, his family with his brothers, Simon and Brad, obviously GMs of, of, um, of Carlton and, and Geelong respectively as well. So, so much in there to enjoy. Um, I know I did hope you loved it. IlyXX. Hey, by the way, what helps the show so much? I know, um, I harp on about this, but if you do send this over to someone else that you think might enjoy it, you can like, or, or follow the show on Spotify or or iTunes or wherever else you're listening, like those follows seriously help so much put the show in other people's um, ears and and um, and grow the show a lot. So if you do enjoy the show, hit that follow, subscribe, like, review, um, and also sharing it to other people to have a listen really, really does help. So I'd really appreciate that. IllyXX, thank you so much. Love you all. Enjoy. Hi, fam. It's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friends. So you can embarrass yourself. And I was like, bro, you want me to do all seven verses? Bit arrogant. Didn't know all yeah. seven. <laughs> so I've been in a bad team for 10 years and we got a chance to do something pretty special this year. All you can do is put your hand up and say you're wrong. Banter is a way that guys connect. It's a way that we can kind of play it safe with someone until we get to know them. I try to fix people sometimes. I'm like, Dan, stop doing that. Just listen. And you stack on top of that the habit of not taking your phone when you take your dog. It's easy. They had no other way to get out of the cave and we either turn our backs on them, in which case they're going to die, or we give this crazy idea a go. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Lordo, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, still. Great to be asked to come on and looking forward to the chat. Fantastic. Now, I, I hope you remember this, but we, we've met before. Yes. You know, yeah, you yeah. remember? Yes. Yes. So back in, it would have been 20, I reckon nearly 2009, you were coaching with the um, AAS team and we went over to South Africa together. Um, you were one of the mentors there mm. and obviously learnt uh, a great deal from you. But um, since then, I haven't seen you for years. Has been ages. I remember you uh, starred on our one of our grand final footy show editions. Uh, <laughs> you and Tommy Sheridan, I reckon, back in the day, <laughs> which was uh, we didn't know where you two were heading in that segment when you were still playing with the Giants, I think, or you were just yeah. finishing up. <laughs> I wasn't. I was at the Giants. I'd pretty much had the tap on the shoulder by then, and yeah. I was running in the grand final sprint the next day. Right. But I think I remember thinking, look, this is the one chance to make a bit of a splash <laughs> um, on the way out. To give context to that, Tommy Sheridan and myself went on the grand final footy show, on the Sunday footy show mm-hmm. one, and, um, yeah, I think we really just ripped into chompers yeah, and, and yeah. Damien Barrett and, right. and let him know where the podcast was standing at that stage, which was which was up the top and Damo's. I don't know. If, is it still going, Damo? Ah uh, yes, yeah, he's yeah, still going. Still oh, that's going. great. Yeah, well, yeah. good on him. <laughs> I'm joking, um, but no, it's uh, it's good to catch up, mate. Really, really keen to um, obviously unpack your story today. Mm. It's, it's an incredible one. You're doing so much. I think it's really 
interesting I want to say at the top because I, I like to go and just chat where everyone wants mm. to take it, but you've done fucking so much. So it's going to be hard to touch on everything, mm. but I think we'll leave, uh, we'll, we'll do the best we can. Yeah, well, I know uh, where I'm sitting here now. I remember I ripped my hamstring off the bone when I was 28 and uh, all I knew was footy. And it was then that it hit me, what am I going to do with the rest of my life, which is sitting in with you probably from a media perspective. I was sitting on my couch with uh, my, my leg up and waiting for surgery on my hamstring and Luke Darcy popped up on the Channel 10 uh, a coverage and he was call, uh, still a player, but he was commentating and it, like an alarm bell uh, went off and said, that's what I want to do. Really? But what am I going to do about it? I've got 12 months where I'm not going to play footy. And that's when I decided um, I need to probably change the persona of how people view me because I used to go on the footy show and be too scared to say anything because you didn't want to <laughs> give anything away to uh, you know, opposition teams and I'm always big on not giving anything away to opposition players, teams, show that sign of strength. But i become so bland and dull and boring. So I thought to myself, I've got three years of a footy career left and I've got to try and make some inroads into that. So I got media training for the whole of my 28th year. Uh, to try and create a new path for myself. So it's sort of amazing how the hamstring, they say everything happens for a reason. I think that's what the hamstring injury was. Yeah, well, we always yeah. like to say that. Oh, it's, yeah. it's not what happens, it's how I react to it and what are, the open, yeah. um, what are the doors it opens up. I didn't know that though. I didn't know yeah. that that was something that you always wanted to do because that was probably going to be one of the first questions. Obviously, like your brother, mm. your two brothers at James are 40 at Geelong mm. and, and Carlton and, and you've been a captain and Australian Hall of yeah. Fame and mm. everything yourself. Um was it always going to be media or was that no, footy going to? I had no idea. Like I, I, um, so I got picked up by Essendon back in the day when I was 16. I was yeah. still at St. Bernard's College and I was playing sort of, I remember that, that year. So I'd play for St. Bernard's on a Wednesday and then play Essendon twos on a weekend. And then remember Sheed so it was, came to school holidays and Sheed said, you've got two weeks off. I'm going to bring you in to play. Uh, AFL footy for a few weeks. And so my whole year, 12 year, all, all I was worrying about was footy and, I didn't get the grades to go to uni. So my parents just said to me, um, like, you, you got to work until you establish yourself at AFL level. Like, you must work. So um, Ricky Nixon, who was my manager, just got me a job working at um, Foxtel in the finance yeah. Yeah, department. <laughs> so there I was working there. And then um, so my first year I got like five games and my parents said, no, you got to keep working. And then set year two, 11 games. You got to keep working. So I was at Foxtel for like two to three years. Then got a bit tired of that. So they said you haven't established. So um, Ricky got me a job, Triple M Rock Patrol. So I was driving around like in Rock Patrol. You like, were yeah, I was. Yeah, like yeah. In your first three yeah, years. Yeah. And then um, I remember they said to me, uh, "Can you take the car? Go down the basement and wash the four Rock Patrol cars." I said. No, I'm not willing to do that. <laughs> so that was the end of me at the Triple M Rock Patrols and just happened that um, – so in my third year I was still um, sort of working away and um, I was able to kick 63 goals and then Nike approached me with a fantastic offer to wear mm. their boots product and I went to my parents and I said, you're wanting me to work but look at the opportunities and they saw the number that Nike put forward and my Essen kind of said, okay, you can do what you want now. So, um, yeah, and then – but still, like, um, I always had in my mind that I'm, I'll retire at 30, 31, so what's it going to be? But I was never too sure. Um, but then 
that the media was the target from about 28 onwards, yeah. Mm. I must say, look, there's so much to unpack there, but I must yeah. say just back to the media talking what you're doing. I do love the way you are in the media. Mm. I, I love your honesty, mm. especially, what you know, even in regards to with the Essendon stuff at the moment. It's so mm. easy. I think it's really easy to be play that straight bat and mm. be that loyal supporter and be that loyal person to their friends and mm. and – just back people up all the time, yeah. but it's actually a lot harder and braver to actually be honest in the media because yeah. you know the backlash you're going to have. How, how have you faced with, with that, I suppose, of late with Essence stuff, but just in general transitioning mm. from a player to in the media? Well, as a person, I'm, I'm always been someone that I can't sugarcoat. Like I've yeah. got empathy for people like, yeah. and I'll do it in the right way, but um, just I can't not be honest. Like, that's just how I feel I need to be. It's with my kids. It's with my wife, even on myself. You know, I feel like I'm not, I could be doing things better. Uh, and so that's just always been me. As as a captain, um, I'd go back in time and go, I was too black and white. Like yeah. I was too hard. I'd say on players um, who didn't, uh, who I didn't feel were pulling their weight or you know weren't to the levels I thought they needed to be. But I probably did it in the wrong way. Whereas now, you know, coaching at you know, a private school level, I I'm still hard on people, but I have a lot more empathy and I, I look at deeper into why they might be acting in a certain way. Um, and then from an honesty perspective, I, I saw um, that people go, Val, you really liked it early on, the, the honesty uh, of, of that. of that. And Lee Matthews once said to me, if you've got an opinion to make and you truly believe it and you can back it up, uh, you just go for it because that's what people want to hear. If you can't back it up, well, you'll be sorted out pretty soon. And if you're trying to make grandstand statements for the sake of it, mm. you'll be found out. Um, and so, yeah, that's sort of always lived with me about, um, yeah, being honest. Um, and I don't try and be outrageous. I just sort of say, say what I believe at the time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Before we get into the show now, I know we'll, we'll start, um, talking about a bit more of your career in depth at late, but I know off season, you like to let your hair down. The mm. thing's going to go, um, very smoothly for you soon, but you're playing a lot of cricket at the moment, aren't you? Yes. You're playing yeah. a lot of cricket at the moment. Now, we've had a lot of <laughs> – before – I don't know how this even happened because before we even said that you're coming on the show, I was getting influx of messages yeah. of your teammates yeah. sending through some clips, sending through stats um, of you playing cricket. I know they talk about yeah. it a lot on the Sunday footy yeah. show, but I've had a lot of guys saying that your average – at the moment against 14-year-olds is about 87 <laughs> and your yeah. average against adults is at 12. Oh, I think that's incorrect. <laughs> so that- What's amazing, I've got a mate. Yeah. I play at Bentley A&E. Yeah. Uh, mate's got some mates there and they've stirred me up because like, I've got a mate, James, who loves Dylan friends yeah. and just loves it. Yeah. <laughs> and he stirred me up that I've never been asked on. So I, I, I messaged him a month ago when you reached out to me yeah. and I said, would you believe the – He's approached me and I didn't chase him. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so the next the moment I told him I was coming on, he's obviously just been direct messaging you. and Essays. Uh, essays, is he? Yeah. And so, no, I do love my cricket. Uh, I just love to compete. And once um, the AFL uh, stopped, it was like, what can I do? And I couldn't play. I love cricket as much as footy and I couldn't play from the ages of 16 to 31 because mm. of my footy. And so I've got back into it. Um, so that my c- coaching at Halebury and my cricket is my is what I love to do. But the problem is, but I might come up. I'm 44. I might come up against 18, 16, 17, 18 year olds. But geez, you got to be honest. I'm don't still you? fist pumping <laughs> when I get them out, and I'm, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm trying to grind them into the ground with the bat and trying to find weaknesses. So <laughs> I just love to compete. And they stir me up that because. The wife puts a foot down sometimes. So you're not playing a two-day. Like, I'll, I'll cut one-dayers. You know, I've got a kid's sport. 
So they stir me up that I play against the bottom four a lot, but don't play against the, the top, top four. Yeah. So they stir me up about a few of those things. Is it is there a pet peeve as well? And like this could could yeah. may or may not have come from James that you get frustrated. And I think every yeah. player gets frustrated, maybe that's played at a high level with with the general public that think they could have played at the top level. Yeah. So James, for example, I'm happy to out him. He yeah. believes he has the the skills. I have so many mates. Like yes. Him. He reckons he could kick a couple of goals because he's got great skills. He reckons he could kick a couple of goals at AFL level. And I'll, I'll, and I'm saying you're playing twos at a local level. Yeah. But you're not even you're not even you're not even playing in the ones. But he says, "No, I've got the skills that a, he loves calling it, that a Penelbury could hit me lace yeah. out." And I'd kick. I'd say, "No, unless it's at Joe the Goose over the top, you could not kick one." It's like me saying I could bowl for Australia. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't, you know. Yeah. So, but he looks me in the eye and says, "I could play AFL." And but I say, mate, you weren't willing to run up hills in pre-season. Um, you're an outside player. <laughs> I give it to him. and so, But he still to this day believes he could still oh my God. put him on that game and, yeah, he could kick a goal or two. So Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Well, he can't. Yeah. Um, mate, let's talk about the, the last few months. It's been a big uh, few months for, for your brothers in general. Yeah. So Geelong win the flag. Um, how special is for that? How, like it's, seeing the success that's going through the family at the moment is pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty special. Yeah, it's great. So you know, it would have been hard at times for the brothers to see they both had dreams of playing – AFL footy and Simon, mm. my oldest brother, um, was captain of Carlton under 19s. Never, never yep. made it, but uh, went on and uh, has been a great uh, administrator in football for. He's been 22 years, I think. He's been involved in the game yeah. and just been thereabouts with flags, but never quite got one. And uh, yeah, he has had a footy. Was able to be part of it um, this year, and I'm, I'm massive on off field what happens at footy clubs, and and he's unbelievable at what he does. So I'm wrapped that uh, you see our stable Chris Scott. Simon Hocking in the past been Brian Cook um, there and then and then Brad played eleven games for Hawthorne um, but then you know it gets cut and then what do you do with yourself but they've always studied uh, and then Brad's built from being a list manager at Fremantle to now being the head of footy at Carlton so um, and I've got a sister who's um, runs is does all the finance of all the Channel Nine program budgets for right. all the footy programs and. Carols by Candlelight, uh, Hot Seat, Millionaire, all those things. So all involved in football uh, as, a, as a family, yeah. Unbelievable. And I know um, uh, condolences to you and your family. I know your father um, yeah. unfortunately passed away in, in the last few months and, and there must have been super, super tough for him. But talk to the impact that he's had on, on you guys growing up. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so my dad and mum, the biggest influence on, mm. on my career and um, – uh, yeah, I say Sheeds and my parents are the two biggest influences on my career. And yeah, Dad, um, it was sad to see uh, the Norm Smith medalist Paul Deere die recently of pancreatic cancer. And then my dad was diagnosed seven years ago and normally takes you within two years. Uh, and he battled for seven years, uh, uh, five to six different chemotherapies. And then the last sort of, yeah, earlier this year, they said there's there's no more chemos we can give you. Um, and so I thought it'd be yeah, a month, but he, he fought on for seven months. Uh, never heard him whinge or whine once. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a tough year, but uh, very grateful to have him as a father. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. huge man. I think he, hearing that, uh, you know, steals to, to your beliefs before yeah. of your honesty and your hard mm. work. And I'm sure we'll find out a lot yeah. more about it today. Um, let's start your career, mate. Your father, John, obviously played mm. at the Blues, played 50 games. Um, I found I know a lot of Carlton supporters would be really upset that yeah. that wasn't a father-son uh, equivalent back then because I think there was a period where it actually was, yeah. but not at that stage. Yeah, so Dad played 29 games. Oh, 29, 29 games. and the father-son rule was 50. It was 50 back 50, then. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So 
when I was growing up, the father of summer was 20 games. Ah, so that's where I, as a kid, I grew up saying, if I'm good enough, I'll play for Carlton. And that's where my two brothers, because they're older than me, got to play Carlton under-19s because the father-son rule was 20 games. But then uh, I reckon maybe two or three years before I was ready, uh, the rule was changed to 50 games. So that's where I had to go in the draft like anybody else. And um, But I grew up in, around the Essendon area. So if it wasn't going to be Carlton, um, I wanted it to be Essendon. But amazingly, the, the club, I was sort of touted as going as the number one 16-year-old in the country. Uh, and uh, Sydney finished bottom uh, and Fitzroy was second bottom. So they were two clubs, even though Barry for Fitzroy didn't want to go to. Mm. And Carlton actually came to us and said, go to Fitzroy for a couple of years. And in a couple of – they broke – We'll um, maybe a brown paper bag or something might go their way and we'll get you to Carlton in two years' time. So that was the plan. And then about four days later, got a call again from Ricky Nixon saying um, Essendon are going to do a deal that uh, they're going to send four players to the Fremantle Dockers, which will allow for them to get the number one draft pick. So, so but how does that work back then? Because you're you're 16. It's yeah. not actually in the draft, is it? It's like no. a pre-season draft. Yes. Like what was, what it was, was just a, a one-off year. Where, really? Um, I expected just to play – you know, another year at the Western Jets in the under-18 competition. But the AFL brought in a rule that Fremantle could take contracted players from every club, but in return you could get a 16-year-old. So it was just a year that I was 16 and, in 1994. and um, Yeah, and, yeah. and back then there was no fandom drafts. You had no idea what was going on with where you stood. So I, I'd, I'd made the All-Australian as a bottom major, but you still didn't know. Mm. And then I was at the draft combine out at Waverley. It was the first ever combine. <laughs> um, it was just a one-day thing, bit of bench press, bit of bit of goal kicking. And and next minute, I could just see wherever I walked, there was a photographer just snapping away. And I got home to my parents. I said, hey, there was photographers just following me around. And then my dad came in with the paper about 7 o'clock the next morning and I was there I was on the back page and it was – the number one 16-year-old in the country set yeah. to be taken by the Essendon Footy Club. So, uh, yeah, it all happened pretty quickly. I was playing for Avondale Heights at 14 in the local Western Jets at 15 and then on an AFL list at 16. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's crazy. It's, mm. it, it's, there's no real equivalent to what it is now, but thinking it's sort of like the Gold Coast when they had Hogan, Jack mm. Martin picked up sort of those pre and yes, where I would right. trade them yeah. off later. Um, walking into the club as a 16-year-old, what was that like? What are your first memories? Uh, oh, who were the players around you? Well, who were the names that you yeah, sort of like? It, it was really intimidating because back then, like people would forget now, like but back then the list sizes were 52. Mm. Uh, plus you might have had 10 supplementary list players. So there might have been 62 players. And um, Scott Lucas was drafted to, from Camperdown in Geelong and we got to know each other well at the draft combine because we were Al and Al. We were doing a lot of the tests together and we bonded this day. So he said to his parents, I want to go to whatever school Matthew Lloyd's at. So we, we went to St. Bernard's College together. So Bernard's got pretty excited thinking they're going to win a premiership that year. Unfortunately, we didn't with Scotty and I in the team. But, uh, yeah, walking in in school clothes, uh, back then training was 3.30 till about 6.37, three times a week in 1995. And we'd just get the, a bus to Essendon Station and then um, train. And, and I could sense there was a few players that, um, they could see the, 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 you know, when you come in touted like I was and Scotty was taken at pick four, they weren't going to make it easy for us. Mm. And back in those days, Sheeds would go, I'm not sure who I'm going to pick. Come out with me. I'm going to roll the ball out and get it back to me and I'll select off that sometimes. So 
I was so, seven. So you versus another. I would say a Scotty Cummings. Um, it was, um, yeah, there was Scotty Cummings was there, Paul Salmon. And, and they just line you up and, and say, go and get it and bring and it back. And he'd roll it out and it would go, I'll tell you when we're going to stop. And and these guys, like it was, I was 78 kilos. They would nearly been 100. And it was, so it was pretty much um, sink or swim. My first coach was Mark Williams as a reserves coach, Choco Williams. And I remember a pre-season, uh, we did a brick circuit and he just had me holding bricks above. And as he turned my back, I just dropped them and he caught me. And he just, in my eyes, he said, you're the weak link. Don't be the weak link. If you want to cheat now, you'll cheat your whole career. And I held it in as soon as I got in the car because Dad had picked me up because I was 16, burst into tears. I could, couldn't cop Mark early because of how full on he was. And then Sheeds was just absolutely ruthless. So I had to grow up pretty quickly, uh, to be honest, that uh, through those times of how I could see the players, um, some were pretty good, but others you could sense said, oh, who's this kid coming in? Take my spot. And then uh, trying to fight your way from, you know, being the 60th player to in the best 22, uh, I, I could sense was never going to be easy. It's so, yeah. it's really interesting because I think now, um, as you would know, being in the media, you hear a lot about clubs and in, mm. and bringing young guys in and mm. actually almost putting them at the top straight yeah. away and helping older mm. players, helping them through. How how different is it to when when you were coming through? I, I feel like yeah. I was nearly on the last mm. brink of that sort of transition in footy. Well, Carlton yeah. it was anyway. Yeah. It's really different for young guys developing. Well, now. I look at Horn Francis now, and and he didn't deserve to play on on probably where he's at with his mm. fitness and his commitment. Uh, but you just get games, you get given games, and and I think the best way about it is the way that I had to do. I might have played not nowhere near as many as others, but Scotty Lucas wouldn't have played for a year and a half. Carousellas, years, Blumfield years. These are all the guys I was drafted with. Uh, for me, I might have played, I don't know, 25, 30 seconds games across a couple of years. Mm. But it's amazing what it does for you to fight and scrap and, and improve your game rather than just being thrown in like Jack Watts was. game, And then suddenly you, you sort of can be broken down quite early. So um, no, I had a great experience. I did have a great experience, but I also was I pretty perceptive of a situation to know um, I, I've got to fight and I've got to scrap. And even though I was the number one draft pick, I think why I was quite uh, advanced to make it early on is I wasn't there to play twos footy. Yeah. Um, and I, I was banging on Sheed's, Sheedy's door after a year and a half going, if you don't play, you got to start playing me, Sheeds. He'd go, mate, you're 17. And I'd say, I reckon I'm going better than these guys. Wow. Yeah, and uh, actually after year two, we, my parents and I met with Sheedy and Danny Corcoran and said, if you don't start playing, we'd like to look for opportunities elsewhere. And they said, Mate, the reason we're doing this is because we want him to have a 15-year career. And we said, no, we we feel we should be playing AFL now. And then Danny Corcoran just wrote a number and said, this is how invested we are in your boy. This is what we'll pay him next year. And it was, it was just um, pretty significant uh, in year three to say, we want to look after him, but we'll pay him this. But we just want to look after him because we don't want to break him down too early. So, uh, but I was a I was a young boy in a hurry. I uh, love that from day one. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? I think we um, a lot of people uh, we we get this notion sometimes. Everyone has said you have to be patient mm. for things to come, and you have to be patient. You have to be yeah. patient for good things mm. to come, but you have to be in a hurry. Yeah, whilst being patient, mm. and, and I think that you know yeah. pretty much personifies exactly that. And I reckon I retired at earlier than people thought I should have, mm. but it's because of my mindset from day one was 
okay, how am I going to get better? And if I if I played well, how am I going to do it again next week? And if I didn't play well, I'd smash myself for th- three to four days. So that wasn't good enough. How am I going to do it? So I was never happy. I never enjoyed what I did. Um, so I reckon by the time I hit 27, 28, I'm thinking, geez, what a grind, what a grind. But okay, you've kicked 70 this year. You must kick more than 70 next year. You kicked 80. Now it must be more than 80. So I ended up uh, frying myself mentally pretty early, but it's why you make it early, but it's also why I didn't play till I was 40 like Fletch because Fletch was casual, whistling, you know, relaxed, uh, whereas I was just always on, like always on 24-7. And, um, yeah, now I look back and go, how great was it, what I got to do? But while I was doing it, I didn't enjoy too much of it, um, which, you know, I wish if I had my time again, I'd enjoy it a bit more. Ah, that's yeah. so it's so mm. interesting to hear. What would you have done differently? Do you think? Uh, I think enjoy the good times. Like enjoy, take take a night to take a day to go. Okay, you, you kicked eight today. Take a day to enjoy it. Um, not be going. All right, I missed. I missed that. I should have kicked ten. I, I missed that one or whatever. I just um, yeah, just it's interesting though. Like a media, per, I'd get smashed occasionally in the media. And it would hurt. But now I know that it's it's nothing personal. It's just people having an opinion. So I'm on the other side of it. Um, I just wouldn't. I'd try not to be as uptight. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting, it's, isn't it? Because it's like if you weren't as uptight, would you yeah, have been to play? Yeah. That's were? right. Spot on. Yeah. So it's hard to mm. it's hard to know. Yeah. Uh, at 21 years of age, you kicked 13 goals mm. against the Swans at the MCG. Not many other 21 year olds doing that mm. at the moment. How many would you kick in the modern day game? You reckon? Uh, I think it'd be harder um, because of the way the games play. Like it was, uh, I had a lot of one on one that day, whereas now it doesn't happen, and the coaches just don't want there to be that one focal point. Mm. So that's why I love the era that I got to play in because you know I knew I was going to play on a star. You know, whether it was Steve Silvani, or was it going to be Mickey Martin? Was it going to be Mel Michael? Was it you know some great players? Um, that I got to play on, uh, and so it was. It was a really good era. Yeah, that that was where I was starting to uh, get bigger and stronger and have a great belief. Uh, we were building as a team through that mm. period, and as actually, it was, it was around that time that Tony Lockett was retiring, and then I got my first approach from another club saying, uh, "We'd love for you to be the the pinup boy in the at, in, in Sydney uh, wow. to come up and play for the Sydney Swans, and the AFL were going to get involved." and um, yeah, and I started to understand the business of footy where you could you know, set yourself up here. But uh, yeah, it was I couldn't I was too happy too happy with what was going on at the Bombers around that time. Was there ever did you consider it? Uh, not then. The, the only time was um, at the end of my career um, where yeah you know, I just hated the environment at Essendon. Um, you know, I, I wasn't feeling safe in my position. Um, we, we weren't winning many games of footy and I was still the captain. So I was putting on a brave face, but I was miserable there. Uh, and I had three or four clubs who said, who said, rather than retire, would you come and play for us? Um, and that were Collingwood, uh, Sydney, the Western Bulldogs and Carlton. Um, and, and I didn't think too much about it, but it was, I was doing my first grand final for SEN in 2010 because I retired at the end of 09. And it was about seven o'clock, and I was about to pack up and leave, and I, I spotted um, a player, and it was Nick Maxwell walking out with the Premiership Cup, and I sat back down in my seat and I watched, and they put the Premiership Cup in the centre circle, and the twenty-two players, 
sat around and they, they just belted out the song maybe three or four times and it hit me then. I go, hey, Collingwood, I, I could have been I could have been out there um, playing in another premiership uh, because they were probably the most aggressive at, at the end of 99 to say, would you come and play? I had Eddie Maguire calling me. I had Chris Dawes um, as the number two forward at that time. Uh, so so hit me then, but then I quickly snapped out um, uh, the pre-season, uh, you know, injuries, you know, those sort of things that uh, premierships, the end of the end product of a lot of hard work. So, um, yeah, that was probably the only time I thought about playing for another club. Incredible. Yeah. What was your routine game day? What was something that you went into a game thinking as a 1v1, like going in? Yeah. Was there something that you traditionally did? Yeah. Was it like what was your mindset going into a game? So I, I love to uh, expose the weakness of the player I was going to play on. So yeah. what I'd do is I'd go to the video guys and say um, to them, by Tuesday, I, I want to tape a cut-up for me uh, of the last time that Matthew Scarlett was beaten and how was he beaten. And and so there was one time where Scarlett was in that good a form. We had to go back maybe 26 games and it was David Hale kick seven at um, at Geelong for North Melbourne. And I just watched the seven and go, okay, he, he turned him inside out here. He pushed off him here. Um, so I used to really go into great depth of really? what I could do. So my mindset was um, it's funny, when I was 21, I did a Nike commercial with Wayne Carey and Carey said to me, what do you run the 3.2? Because we used to do the time trial around Carlton and so did they. And I said, oh, I'm a 12, 15. And he roared with laughter and I said, what's so funny? And he said, oh, you got to be in the 10s to be a to be a gun key forward, I reckon. So I actually um, – uh, not long after that, bought an apartment uh, near the tan and I started running it three times a week. And within time I got myself in, I ran a 10.58. And so my goal was to get an endurance base, strength and speed that no matter who I came up against, I could beat them in one of those three ways, uh, endurance, speed or power at size. And so I just look at every opponent on tape and I go, which way am I going to get them? I'm going to run them ragged. I'm going to take them deep. Am I going to get them with, uh, you know, position, you know, body strength? Mm. And so that's what I used to do. I used to study the opposition hard and then, and just try and exploit their weaknesses um, throughout. And yeah, and then, uh, yeah, and then um, what shun thing about Sheeds, the first session I ever went to, he spoke about weapons. What, what are your weapons going to be? And um, I wasn't that quick. Uh, I was so um, he just booted balls at me, and I had to call out a letter on the Sharon H S R. And anyway, then he had someone come up behind me, and it went for a mark on my chest. And she just punched the ball about fifty meters and said, "Never ever do I want to see your mark on your chest ever again. If you're going to be a great full forward, it has to be here. So you got to train like Mickey Martin's on your back for the rest of your career." So. Um, I just hammered hammered the craft side of it um, with my marking and set shot goal kicking and um, I could sense that teammates weren't doing these things. So my idea was my, I can see my teammates aren't going to the lengths I am. I'm sure the opposition players aren't going to the lengths I am. So if I do this long enough and well enough, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pretty consistent. Um, as I said, it wore me down after a while, mm. but uh, it's what got me to the, some good levels pretty early. It's interesting that yeah. that point we had Harry Mackay on on the show yeah. last week and talking about him learning what he needs to do to become a better player and the nearly that the program that you do at a football club is just that's mm. the minimum that you that's need right. to be done. Have you had any 
advice to give to young guys or working with other guys um, or young key forwards in, in the club in the AFL at the moment? I do get asked, um, and I had a go at it for one year with Joey Danaher, yep. uh, and and every time he was having a shot for goal, the cameras were panned onto me in the 3OW commentary mm. box. So I didn't enjoy it. Like I'm talking like I, I want to just go and, and call a game and, and be quite relaxed and, and just get into the game. But, yeah, I, I was sort of you – know, I was holding on to my, my chair in a sense because – I was just praying he'd kick it if he missed, you know, be flat. If he kicked it, I'd be wrapped. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't getting paid a lot of money to do it. It was more uh, as a, a, an itch I wanted to scratch with the coaching. Mm. And I thought to myself, what am I doing compromising like a media career, uh, which I'm going you know, get paid really well to do, to suddenly say, for example, it might have been I'd, I'd question a player, I'd question James Hurd's strategy, and I'd walk into the club to work with Joe and I could sense – I've begun, did that player person just ignore me? Did that player ignore me? Um, so you could, I, could, I knew pretty early on that uh, the role, two roles couldn't work and that's why uh, coaching at Halebury doesn't have any conflict and can allow me to coach and have a passion while uh, not doing it at the highest level. For anyone out there now, so speaking of mm-hmm. those young guys that you're working with at Halebury or any young yeah. people listening to the show now, what's a prerequisite for any player mm-hmm. that you think getting into the modern game has to be good at now or has to be driven at or has to be doing outside of their game. Yeah, yeah we often uh, – like, say, number one, like the, 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 the clubs are always calling – they often call the school the head of the boys at the school. They want to know about their character first. Like they – bikes get pushed out pretty soon if you're not a good person and of, of high character. Um, that's important. I have a saying, you can't kick, you can't play. So if you can't hit targets and make good decisions with the footy – um, so I, I'd say character, competitiveness, and skill level um, are the three. So character, competitiveness, skill level, and then I throw decision making in as a fourth, fourth one. Who Who are some of the guys that you've worked with at that junior level? So there was the King Boys, yeah, Brayshaws, the King Boys, the Brayshaws. Um, you know, Aiden Bonner, who's with the Giants, Charlie Constable, um, Liam Stocker. Um, you know, in in the last last year, um, Connor McDonald, who's Played every game for Hawthorne. Marcus Windhager, who were our two boys that were drafted last year. Um, yeah, I'm probably missing missing a fair few, but uh, uh, Cody Waitman yep. was the captain. Um, Hugo Ralph Smith was another player. So yep. yeah. And what separates those guys? Is there one that you remember just looking back, going, "Is there any of those guys that you and shit? This guy's going to be full on." Uh, and I've missed one. The best season I've ever seen from a Haley player was Luke Davies Uniac. Yeah. And I'm talking was um, we hadn't beaten Brighton Grammar for a long time. Robert Shaw improved the standard of the comp, like I'm talking uh, presses and full strategy that we hadn't seen before at Halebury. And um, we we put Luke Davies Uniac out the back of a press and said, if we can get it through, good luck trying to play. And Luke had 30 and kick six and sat on heads and did things that I'd never seen a schoolboy footballer do. Um but, yeah, I, I think um, where it's tough, like we've got this year, for example, um, some really good players who are draftable, but the clubs always say um, just weapons. What weapons does does he have? So the one boy that's going to get drafted is Ollie Hotton. His dad, Trent Hotton, played for Carlton and Collingwood. Explosive stop, like really clean and explosive. And the AFL clubs can see that on an AFL ground. We've got another three or four who are fantastic players, but they go – okay, where does he play uh, on an AFL ground and what puts him up? You know, so, for example, there's 
180 guys at the draft combine. There's 5,000 across the comp and there's 60, 60 that are going to be taken. So you have to be um, pretty special to get that opportunity and then draft getting drafted, then you've got to be special again to go on and be in the a club's best 10 players or best 22. So, yeah, it's extremely cutthroat. Um, but forever working at what's your weapon that separates you you know, is it is it your uh, foot skills? Is it your decision making? Is it your power? Um, is it your smarts? And then just keep building with those boys to see if we can get two or three of them um, uh, to a level where clubs start calling and managers start calling. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that you can see a kid's going to get drafted. Special. Yeah. Speaking of weapons, um, back to you on this. Mm-hmm. But in from two thousand, I think to two thousand and three, you won four Coleman's, four out of three yeah, out of four yeah, Coleman's. Yeah. That was some of the best footy you played. Would you Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I, I was um, what I'm talking about just there with kids. I, I felt um, felt great. Uh, we were coming into a great era where you know, the ball was getting pumped in a lot to yeah. me, like you know playing with James Hurd and, and Mark McCurie, Joe Masidi, Michael Long, you know Lucas, and uh, you know the, the list goes on. I've missed some high quality players, but yeah, like body felt good. Um, you know when you have five or six pre seasons. Uh, I went from 78 kilos to about 94. Um, you know, worked a lot on my speed. Um, my goal kicking routine was a mess early days. Spent hours and hours and hours, months and months to get to that point where I felt like, like say like King at the moment. I hope I don't miss. I used to think like that. Gee, I hope I don't miss this one. To um, I'm going to kick this goal. Like uh, every, I built my game to a point where. Um, I felt great, and that my the gap between my best and worst was never going to be mm. too much. Where if I if I had a poor day, I was going to kick my three or four goals. You know that was sort of the 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 way I felt about my footy through that time uh, as a you know, you know 22, 23 year old. What about that that period? In just in general, for us, in two thousand, obviously winning yeah. the flag, Sheedy coach, James Heard, yourself mm. dominating. What was that? What was that period like to be a player? It was great, as I said earlier. I wish I was enjoying it at the time. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of pressure too, because when you say in, enjoying it, do you mean actually in yourself you you knew you hated it, or on reflection you look back going, "Fuck, that was just stressful." As yeah, it's just yeah. I think I was very a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety, like performance anxiety, yeah, performance anxiety, mm. expectations. Um, that yeah, you're expected to kick four minimum. I remember Lee Matthews went on an interview and said, "If we keep Lloyd to four, it's a good day for us." So stuff like that brings upon, okay, the minimum for me is yeah, I've, got to, I've got to kick my four, you know, and um, and and knowing, uh, you know, there was, you know, might be players on you, players filling that hole, filling that hole, just to try and, you know, stop um, getting through. Yeah, there was a lot of, you know, you're copping it off the ball, a lot of the physical nature of it as you're coming through as a, mm. a young bloke too. Um, so yeah, but what, what was good for me, which I'll be getting off that topic on Essence quickly, I played a state game when I was 23, when I was play after 23 games and I used to have the runs, like I used to get the runs, so I'd sit on a toilet cubicle yeah. for, for a fair bit of the game and they were all filled and I was, and I said, and then this, I hear vomiting going on and it was a, uh, a trainer walks past and I said, oh, what's going on in there? He said, oh, Brett Ratton's in that one and he throws up before every game. Pluggers in that one, he he throws up. Archers in the next one, and all of them, the anxiety that they had, um, had made me go, okay, it's not just me. Uh, that's it's just normal for a lot of us um, in that. And then Plugger gets out of the toilet and he, he gets around. Oh, I'd play twenty three games. Hey, get me a kick early, can you? 
And then he's going up, get me a kick early, can you? And you could see wide as a ghost, plug a locket, you know, <laughs> and, it, and it go, okay, that's just part. That's just part of it. Um, I probably should have got some help early at how to deal with some of the pressures and the anxiety, but I just fought through everything myself. But at Essendon, uncompromising, and that's why I've been pretty hard on Essendon in my media role because uh, it was just ruthless. Sheeds was ruthless. Our um, we had a um, president at the time who was just a Graham McMahon, just a ruthless person. Um, Robert Shaw, Mark Harvey, they were ruthless. Um, Bomber Thompson, when I worked, first walked in, he was my captain, ruthless. Training, we'd smash each other at training, um, compete. And then they said to me, um, we expect to play in the prelim. Anything less is a failure. So I went in just expecting prelims and we got there most of the time in my early days. Wow. Um, and then I felt that often teams were beaten running down the race against us because you had you know, Hardwick and the Johnsons and Solomon, Dean Wallace, just nasty, and Fletch was – and Wellman were like the cream. And then a midfield that just batted deep and then a forward line that was star-studded. So um, we had every base covered and and we used to put teams away like nice and early and you know rub heads into the ground, noses, physically – but intimidate, verbally intimidate. And it was just a great team. It was just a great team to be part of uh, when you're on top on top like that. We did fail. We only won one of the three premierships where we were finished on top three years in a row and that's a big regret that we didn't go on and do what we should have. But uh, they're, they're hard to win, yeah. Two people I'd love you to, to elaborate on and what they mean to you and I suppose what they mean in, in your journey, yeah. Sheedy and Heard. Yeah. Yeah, so Sheeds, Sheeds. Um, I remember my first ever time I met him. I was I was drafted, uh, and they had a uh, there's a golf course in in Mooney Ponds, and they said come down, meet all the players, We're having a golf day. He sat down with me, just asked all about me. Not one footy question was asked, and then he said, um, I've seen a lot of guys end up with nothing out of the game. Just whatever you do, like be smart. And he said, house go after houses, like a lot of guys get caught up in other things, go after. So he said, go try and buy and pay off a house as quickly as you can. And if you can do that, go number two. Then you go number three. And that stayed with me forever in terms of, um, you know, I was able to, you know, buy a place in Ascot Vale when I was 19 and, you know, and then one in Mooney Ponds when I was 21. And, you know, but it was all stem with me from his advice. Uh, and, And I was getting bullied a lot, like by by opposition fullbacks, you know, the Critiooks and the and the Dunkleys and um, these guys who were at me and he just said, mate, you got to start standing up for yourself and even if you cop a few weeks along the way, I don't care. Um, but don't let the don't let anyone walk all over you in life. And so I got four suspended for four weeks, four times in about ten weeks through two thousand and one uh, period. Um but it was him saying, mate, yeah, just do it, just go for it. And he was right. People stopped because I was kicking goals. I was throwing my weight around, did it the wrong way a few times. Mm. But he just cared so much. And amazingly, like I coached uh, a game last year and we lost by 50 points. And I called the team insipid. I said that was one of the most insipid performances I reckon this school's put out in the last 10 years. And I got home and I said to my wife, Lisa, I called the group insipid. She said, what did you say after that? And I said, no, nah, I left it there. She said, never forget what Kevin Sheedy said, used to do. And I said, what? What?" She said, he always left you feeling like you could be best on ground the next week. He never – he could hit mm-hmm. you between the eyeballs, but he always felt – made you feel like you could be the best the next week. She said, 
you better want to get in there on Tuesday and fix. And so she gave me a few lessons that I'd passed on that? to about Kevin Sheedy and um, yeah, and it was so. And I've it's sort of I'll never do that again in terms of I'll I'll, I'll be hard, but go okay. But this is what we got wrong, and this is what we're going to do on Tuesday to fix it to win next week, which I did on the Tuesday, but I should have probably in the heat of the moment uh, not been as strong there on, on the Saturday, yeah. Um, and James Heard, I was always one that was told um, the weak will gravitate to the weak and the strong will gravitate to the strong. So if you want to be a champion player, find the best trainer and hang off him and train with him. And you'll find that we a group who want to take shortcuts, they'll go, gravitate to each other and just go go to the hardest and the best trainers. And I and I looked around and I, I spotted him straight away and it was James Hurd. And he, he hadn't been around that long. Uh, I think he maybe started three or four years earlier than me, but uh, he'd won his best, uh, first best and fairest in 94 and I arrived in 90, 95. Then he won the best and fairest again in 95 and he won the best and fairest again in 96. But it was just like... Um, uh, you know, contested marking. If he got beaten, I could see his lips start quivering because he didn't like being beaten. In the gym, blokes had stopped to talk in between sets. He didn't stop. He just kept powering on. Sessions at end, he gets a bin and a bin of balls. And he just, remember that when he hugged the fan uh, after a goal against West Coast, he was forever practicing those shots. And so nothing was fluke. Nothing was ever a fluke for him. We'd endurance. He would just smash him, absolutely smash himself. Um, and then uh, I was always, I'm never going to drink. I'm not going to drink. And then he sat me down and goes, mate, if, as long as you prepare, like you have one or two and you're willing to turn up and do your rehab properly the next day. And he was always very good at that sort of thing. So an absolute pro, knew when to switch off, knew when to switch on. So I learned from him just how hard you have to work to be the best. And he was drafted in the 70s or 80s and it wasn't it wasn't the purest kick, wasn't the best kick, had a lot of question marks on him, but his work ethic got him to be, you know, Essendon's, arguably Essendon's greatest ever player and most loved player. So um, that's what I learned from those two, yeah. What about leadership, taking over leadership yeah. from you as captain? What was that like? Oh, I was daunting uh, because with James, it was like a security blanket. Like, James, we got James. Like, James got us out of trouble in games uh, during the week. His ability to – you hang, you hung off his every word, James heard. Like, that's what he was like. Some of his pre-game addresses, like, just as we're about to go to position, like, he just had a way with words. Um and then so it got to the end of – I was in the leadership group, but I reckon it was more on professionalism more than anything. I didn't offer that much to anyone else. It was all about my my game and how I could be the best. And it was the end of 04 and Harves and Hurdy said to me, can we catch up with you? And we went out to um, a, a sort of a cafe in Essendon and Harves said, do you want to tell him or do you want me to tell him or do you want to tell him or do you want me to – And said, what is it? And they said, oh, 2005, I want to step down as captain, James said, and I want you to be the captain. I rocked back in my chair and I said, if I'm not playing well on game days, at halftime I'm going into a toilet cubicle and I'm sitting there on my own going, okay, what can I do to get myself into this game? That's not what a captain is. like. So I reckon it'd be wrong. Can you do one more year in 05 and I'll act like a captain for the whole of 2005? And so – it's no more about me. It's time to 
give back to others and invest in others and not just make it about me. Uh, and so, yeah, I spent all of 05 where James had, would walk in at halftime, he'd just give me a wink and go, it's yours, it's yours. And the boys, no one knew I was going to be captain in 06, but he just gave me the licence to act like and be the captain. Wow. Uh, and then, yeah, I took over in 06, unfortunately um, ripped the hammy off the bone in round three, but one of my great thrills was captaining in the club. Like Bomber Thompson was the first captain, Gary O'Donnell was the next, James Heard the next, then me, and then it's been Watson and Heppel. So we don't, we haven't had too many captains before that, Tim Watson, Terry Danaher. So it's been a really privileged position over that time. What was that like for you? I know you alluded to it before, but being quite, with that performance anxiety, yeah. thinking about your own performance, then thinking holistically about the group, and then you were saying before about feedback and yeah. maybe not being able to resonate with a lot of the other mm. players. What were the biggest challenges? Yeah, we, we used to do a, that the old um, leading teams and and stop, start, keep, and I got up there and uh, one of them was um, was keep being the professional you are, and but start giving more to the players. Like you've got so much knowledge to give, but can you start? Uh, giving more and I touched on being black and white like say if I if say a player turned up uh, late for training I'd started having blokes six o'clock at the pier St Kilda Pier in the morning jumping off freezing cold let's go let's do it again jumping off and then I remember like got to like the fourth week and blokes still weren't weren't doing what I would hope and I could see like the the players who were doing the right thing were like are you serious like well, how come we just keep being punished for this, um, I'd have massive blues with Sheeds uh, and I'd go, Sheeds, this bloke, he's taken us nowhere. Like I'd walk into it and go, he shouldn't be playing for us. Like no wonder we're fading away late in games and we're – because this bloke's on the drink on Saturday nights. He's hung over on Sundays, should be picking this bloke and then Sheeds had nod and then the same bloke would be picked. So I was very frustrated because um, Sheeds and I – Sheeds is very forgiving but uh, whereas I was just, no, nah, he's got to go. I remember getting to the end of one year and I handed him a sheet of paper with six names and said, Sheed, we've got to cut these six blokes. Wow. That, that's because I was just ruthless in that sense and um, didn't suffer fools in, in, in that. Um, but also I may not have done it. I probably didn't do it the right way. Um, at times I could have thought, how can we get this bloke up? Whereas I just cut. I just cut. Like, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. But um, – yeah. Did you get better at it? Probably not. Probably yeah. not. Like, and that's where I retired at 31. And now all these things, I'm learning how to tap into people's brains and heads better now. Like, it's sort of half being a sports psych as a coach, yeah. um, in that it's about what frame of mind your players are in. Are they enjoying the environment? Um, do they enjoy playing under you? Uh, you know, you're stimulating them at training. Uh, when do we need to mix it up and play a bit of basketball? When do we need to mix it up and have a joke and a laugh and tell a story? Um, all the times I'm always assessing, okay, um, when I'm talking to the players, have I, are they engaged with me? Have I gone a tad too long? Yeah, I'm forever thinking about the mindset and the are my players enjoying what they're doing in, in the environment to play good footy, whereas back then I wasn't thinking of any of that. It was just are they training hard? Are they giving 100%? How are they performing? I didn't look deeper into how players might be feeling a certain way. And, and, and I do pass that on to guys now who ask me advice. Okay, I'm potentially going to be captain or I'm, going to be, I'm captain and I give them that, that bit of advice on mm. have empathy. Don't 
lower your standards but have empathy for people. You said towards the end of your career and at the end of mm. uh, you know the captaincy and everything that you weren't as enjoying the club as much yeah. as you were when things were going well. Why was that? Was that personally or just the way the club was running at the time? Like what was yeah. what was the feeling for you there? I sort of um, yeah had my thought where I wrote a book and it was pretty sure on Matthew Knights um, at the time and I'm conscious of he's moved on and yeah. I've moved on and I don't like um, making too much of it because um, we all, yeah uh, but um, yeah I, I felt like the Sheedy era um, was one and and yeah a new coach comes in and they want to forge their own own era and um, I just noticed that. Yeah, I remember Mark Johnson got moved on very quickly and then Jason Johnson got moved on and then it was Mel Michael and then it was Scott Lucas and then you only start saying, okay, uh, next it's going to be me. Um, yeah, and and didn't feel I got heard as a captain uh, at that time and, and, then, and then also I suppose we'd done things a certain way under Sheeds and Nida was trying to do things his way uh, and we couldn't quite see the method behind it. Uh, he's frustrated that he felt the younger boys were really coachable, but the senior boys were set in their ways a bit. So there's probably an element of, of truth somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But um, I didn't enjoy the at the end. I didn't enjoy the environment that was there at the time. And for me, uh, yeah, retirement or another club was always going to be. There's an there was a contract on the table for 2010, but oh, I couldn't even stomach the thought of going another season there. Um, so it was there. It was, I always knew I was, wasn't playing 2010 there. It was just retirement or somewhere else. Wow. Um, yeah. It ha- yeah. It happens. Um, I'm sure there's players, you know, say at Hawthorne at the moment who all these senior blokes are getting turfed out and moved on. I remember when Isaac Smith said, I better go to Geelong because I can see Clarkson's making, you know, going to make these hard calls. So coaches come in and look to remove the senior blokes for the younger guys. And that's probably a, a position that we were all in at Essendon at that time. Mm. Yeah. Are you an Essendon man now? I reckon it did. Um, at that time, you, you know, you you were a bit hurt, hurt at the time, and I didn't. You know, and I went straight into a media career, and I didn't care too much whether the Bombers won or lost. And now, my as my son's nine, and he cheers for him, and he wants them to win. Um, you know, and, and so I wanted individuals to do really well, like my, my mates, but at the same time, you know, that, that hurt of the way my time ended, you know, lingered a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, no, but now as time's gone on, I only remember the good things. Like I sort of, life's too short to yeah. be bitter or have any, any regrets. So like I want nothing more than to see them get back on their feet. And some say, oh, how hard, you're too hard on your club, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind putting pressure on them to get their act together because, um, yeah, I, I want to see them get back to what we used to be and that was respected and, and extremely powerful. It must be hard having those thoughts and seeing what the club's going through at the moment. Mm. It's so easy to pile on a team and, and yeah. everything's going, but it seems like nothing can go right for mm. Essendon at the moment. Yeah. Where do, you, where do you see the club at at the moment? Are you happy with you yeah. know, Scott coming as coach or, and what's been happening? Yeah. It's been a big, big mm. few months for the footy club. Yeah, like I, I uh, David Barham gave me my first ever opportunity in television uh, mm. at Channel 10 and uh, I just love what he stands for as a person uh, and he's, he's shown that much guts and courage to you – know, stay, oh, okay, we're going to change. I'm going to be president. We're going to change CEO. We're going to change coach. 
uh, yeah, he has, he's made some mistakes along the way, but um, yeah, he's shown a lot of courage to change and and do a review with purpose to get to the bottom of of why the club isn't operating well and isn't having any success, and that'll all be sort of coming out soon. And um, but then they're they're ready to act. They're, they're already acting on that by you know improving the development of the club and the resources of the club. And you know, Michael, I gave Michael Hurley my number eighteen because he kicked five in my last ever game, the Brad Sewell game, and uh, he 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 just retired having never won a final. Mm. And he and he and I've been retired for over a decade, so um, just shows how how dim, uh, dire the uh, situation has been. But yeah, they'll I think they'll fight back now under this new regime and Brad Scott as coach. What do you think they need to do? What's the biggest thing they need to do? The like so the develop the players better, um, you know, so they get drafted because they're talented, but they 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 don't get developed. So Essendon have hardly had any All Australians. Um, they haven't had a game style or a you can't turn up to watch Essendon and know what you're going to get. You might get it for a two or three week period, and then it's a smashing. And then, you, what what is that game style? What 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 are they actually doing out there? Like, there's nothing that you've been able to hang on to, like Craig McRae did for his Collingwood this year, and everyone's excited. Or you might go, oh, Carlton didn't make finals, but they're a big bodied midfield who do this or do that. You don't know what Essendon are, so it's it's develop the players properly. Um, and have a game plan that the players know and trust and you'll be amazed how quickly because um, the guys have been unsure of themselves um, for a number of years uh, at the footy club and, and you can't develop in that environment. Mm. Well, I think it's exciting to like see. I think last year was saying my three favourite lists for young players was the Swans, Fremantle and Lessenham. Mm. Mm. See what Fremantle have been able to do. Sydney have obviously yeah. been able to do, but the Dons just haven't been able to take that step yet. Mm. Um, going back just a little bit, yeah before the coaching decision was made and we've known all the incredible words and the respect you have for Hurd and, yeah. and Sheedy. With that whole play of trying to get Sheedy back into the club, mm. did you see that as the right move or did you see that as a time where you need to go, no, there needs to be a new for, fi- yeah. there needs to be a new future, uh, future forged yeah. at this club? Yeah, so Sheeds is one of the most loyal people um, I've ever met in the game and you know, he's a great affection for James and he openly said, I voted for James Hurd to be the coach and he – even the club said it was unanimous. Sheeds wanted it to be heard that he wasn't unanimous because he wanted James Heard to be the coach. Yep. Um, but it's about everyone coming together uh, and being one. You now the factions and the you know when you don't have success, everyone's you know, it's tug of war. Some are pulling in one direction, some are pulling in the other. And I just I think with Brad Scott, like um, two hundred game coach um, at a battling club in North Melbourne. He's seen most things. Um, he's been at the AFL uh, where he's you know, got a great intel in what all clubs are doing, uh, salary cap, how they spend, what they do. Um, so I think, um, yeah, yeah, he's a pretty was a pretty strong candidate and was always going to be hard to beat. Yeah, I think it's a, it's exciting time. I yeah. think with there was similar probably um, reservations around Carlton when Voss came, thinking you yeah. know is this going to happen mm. again? But in saying that, Voss went and did an incredible apprenticeship with. With Port, um, with yeah. Port Adelaide under Ken Ingley. The only worry that I have is like, I'm out of the game now for mm. four years and you've been out of the game for a while. Mm. If you're out of the game for six months, it's mm. a it's a long time out of the game. Yeah. But I think we're moving to more of a field where it is it is that more administrator of the people yeah. around you. And I think it doesn't get publicized how important assistant coaches are mm. rather than the head, the guy that's actually at the head. I'd be more worried if I was a 
more excited or worried if I was an Essendon supporter of who's coming in to actually support yeah. Brad Scott in those roles because mm. um, those are the guys and girls that are actually really making an impact. Yeah, yeah. and that's where Chris Fagan's an unbelievable man manager, yeah. but he has others who do the strategy of it. But uh, I think Brad Scott, th- th- what I love about them is they're, they're really confident in themselves and they're pr- there's this pretty intelligent guys. So, yeah, yeah I, I think he, he'll be fine. Um, media stuff, yeah. what, are you, what are you loving at the moment? What do you love about working in the media? What I love is I get a, such a mix of so many different things. So I get to do three TV programs a week uh, on Channel 9. Two of them are quite intense and fully classified. Man, that gives me anxiety watching. Yeah. I actually can't. It's just, it, it just freaks me out. It's yeah. so – just. Do, do you do you ever walk off set and people are still upset with each other or do you, do you do it for the well, show? Well, it's a good question because um, when I first got the – Got called to say we're going to Grant Thomas isn't going to do it anymore. We're we're looking at you. I said let's let's chat about it, and uh, they said we want to be on the edge, so we want to be different to every other TV show. So if you if Hutchie Carroll or Gary Lyons says something you don't agree with, we want you to jump down their throat. But understand if you say something, they're going to be straight at you. So we want this to be an edgy, edgy type of show. And if you've got anything that happens within. Um, the show that you're not happy with, um, we have a drink after every show and you sort it out there and you walk away. Wow. Yeah, so there's been times where two people haven't come up for a drink because um, they've gone somewhere else to discuss it away from everyone else. Um, but that used to happen in the early days, whereas now I think we're all so aware that the show is to try and be. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that no one even bads an eyelid if. <laughs> You can see that someone's just trying to raise you up or yeah. trying to challenge you. Um, you know, uh, everyone just understands we're doing it for the program. And then the Sunday footy show has been great for me to be able to show a, a lighter side, yeah. have a bit of fun, show you can laugh at yourself, you can be humorous. Because when I played footy, I, I didn't show any of that because um, I felt the game was too serious for that. Whereas I used to show the boys on a footy trip or in the change rooms, but I couldn't show the public that. So that's where the Sunday show has been good. Radio with three AWs, more you know, call a game of footy, uh, relaxed. Um, yeah, and then and I wrote I wrote as well for the Herald Sun and the Age uh, for about ten or eleven years. So I've been able to yeah try my hand at a lot of different things. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, a few tidbits to finish up. Favorite footy trip you've been on? Well, uh, we discovered Vegas. Um, I reckon I went on a lot of footy trips, but then someone said, "We surely we shouldn't be doing Vegas." And once we once we went there, I went there five times uh, <laughs> by the end of my career, and I've, I've gone a couple of times since, which Lisa hasn't been too happy about, saying, yeah. "You're retired now. You don't need to be going on footy trips, boys' trips anymore." Um, so uh, anyway, in the last boys' trip, I went to the Magic Millions uh, with the boys in January, and I came back with. Uh, COVID and Bell's palsy. So she said, you're done. You're not oh, yeah. doing any more, any more trips. But, uh, yeah, like just being in Vegas and, you know, pool by day, you know, in the most amazing clubs in the world by night with 30 of, of your, I don't say best mates because you, you soon when you retire, you've probably got four or five yeah. best mates, but 30 of your teammates uh, where you can just let your hair down and relax. That, that were some of the great times that I'll never forget. Two-part question here, favourite teammate yep. and most respected teammate, yep. unless they're the same person. Yeah, so oh, it's um tricky one. So I've got so Scott Lucas is someone who um, just one of the great people that I've ever met in, in football. Um, 
underrated, you know, for you know, best and fairest at centre half back, best and fairest at centre half forward. But with myself and James there, um, you know, I don't think he's ever spoken about in a way that he should. Is how good his career was. Um, so yeah, he he was he's just been a, a wonderful friend of mine. Uh, Dustin Fletcher, uh, one of the great people you'll ever meet, meet as well. Humble, um, the time and the care he has for people, asking questions. You know, you know someone said to me, oh, yeah, it's often says about footballers. You know what they do? I'll ask about them, but this person never ever asks, how's your kids going? How's your family going? It's always about them. Whereas you know, Scott Lucas and Dustin Fletcher are two blokes mm. that. Um, just humble, humble champions um, and, and and have been lifelong friends for me. Uh, favourite player in today's game? Favourite. I've loved um, Buddy, like calling Buddy for the last 10 years. Like he gets you excited um, going to the footy. He's different. Mm. He's unique. And, you know, for him to watch that night when he kicks his thousandth goal, uh, just rock, yeah, rock star of, of the footy. Uh, Dangerfield, you know, those explosive types. But there's a lot of midfielders. So Buddy, what Buddy's done in this era to kick a 1,000 when it's tough, like, and I'm openly saying, like, he's he's played in a tougher era than I have in terms of you know, zones and presses and forwards having to get high up the ground. Like, absolute freak. Uh, you got to give me an answer here. Who's your bunny in today's game? Who would you love to go one-on-one in the square oh, with? Key defenders. <laughs> That is that is tough. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I'm too respectful to him. I'll tell you off there. Oh, right, <laughs> um, favorite young key forward that you think can be the next big thing, next buddy? Oh, I think uh, I'll say Ben King. Yeah, Ben of the Suns. Um, yep. I think that's uh, unfortunately did his knee, but um, to do what he's doing often in teams that don't win too often. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a pretty special player. Player to break out. I know you like making lists and I love reading them of, of players um, in certain categories, but who do you think there's a player that can break out in, in 2023? Break out in 20 – I, I uh, think Isaac Rankin um, yeah. has – I don't know if you've said he's broken out yet, but – I don't to, think – I don't no. think to what he can do yeah, consistently. Yeah, to what he can do, yeah. I think um, some of the things he did do, um, yeah, I think he has talent that – um, yeah, he's, he's very unique. Not many players have the talent that he's got. Just just on that topic while we're on, because he got traded for pick five recently. Yeah. You're doing a lot of trade yes. radio stuff at the moment. Um, how have you seen the trade radio with and now with the draft, um, sorry, the, the trade period in terms of picks versus players? Mm. Like in the past, I don't think that would have happened. Mm. Clubs would have held on to pick five. But I love now that we're going, you know what, let's actually get mm. an established player that, is ready to go and happily trade it for a pick mm. five. Like there's been some awesome deals this year. I'm just loving the movement. Yeah, it's good. Like it's opened up everything with future picks and mm. current picks and, and things like that. And, you know, Hawthorne are telling everyone that pretty much they don't think they're going to challenge. So uh, we're happy just to take picks and the future. The Giants are a little bit the same, whereas other clubs like Jill, uh, Richmond, they're in for the now. So they're yeah. giving away their picks for Hopper and Taranto and things. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, – it's fantastic. It's a great time and um, keeps the AFL on on the in the papers for a lot. Yeah, longer, I, I seriously enjoy this more than the season itself. <laughs> like, I think it's fantastic, and I love watching. You know, giving your brother Simon a big up here with what they're doing at Geelong. Like to be able to get bows and and pick seven yeah. for a pick thirty. I know a lot of people, you know, hate that and they get mm. frustrated with it. But what I love about this period at the moment is I think that we've already got such an equal playing field for mm. all clubs, like as much as you can be. Yeah. Like the salary caps, there's mm. all these things. 
But at the moment, list management and, and administration in football is actually really coming. You can see now which clubs have the best teams in place because they're the ones that are still continually getting yeah. players to their they're managing their money mm. better. They're managing their list better. They're moving players on when they need to be moved on. It's, I think it says the real business side of footy mm. now. You can actually see which clubs are going well. That's right. And then with you know Geelong, like they're winning flags and they're still getting guys like Essendon are struggling at the moment to get players to want to come. You know, North is the same. <coughs> whereas you know Geelong have got you know Tanner Bruin, uh, Ollie Henry, Henry and yep. then also Bose, and then yeah you know, they were still chatting to Grundy and Hopper as well. So you're right, managing things extremely well and. And players want to come to your club. Brisbane had no one wanted to go there five years ago, six yeah. years ago. Now players want to go there, like Dunkley and Lockie Neal and Jack Gunston. And yeah. so you can turn it around uh, if you get things right. Yeah, and obviously Ashcroft is, is yeah. committed to them as well. That's so right. I think yeah, it's really mm. it's crazy. I'm absolutely loving this mm. this um, time of year. Um, Premiership 2023. Who wins it? I'll say the Swans. So uh, yeah, I think that uh, the young players who uh, did not handle Grand Final day well at all, I think that um, they've probably got the best young group. Yep. of players uh, in the competition. Have you seen the stat, though, on teams that get beaten by X amount mm. in a grand final nearly don't make the eight yeah. the next year? Yeah, I know it's um, some scarring. Yeah, some scarring on like Port Adelaide and Adelaide Crows and things like that. But I think what the, what we just discussed is yeah. what a good club what a good club Sydney Swans are. I'll be surprised if they don't uh, hit back again next year. Is there a slider? Yeah. Uh, a slider, yeah. I'm trying to think who scraped in. So the doggies are always an interesting one. They made the finals, but uh, Luke Beveridge, it's uh, can he can he uh, get the group to perform to to the level? They have a lot of talent, the dogs, but it um, yeah, didn't perform to that level. It's funny you lose track of who's actually made yeah, the finals after a while. It's hard. But, uh, it's yeah, very, hard. very hard. Um, mate, what's next for you? I don't mm. feel like you're going to be slowing down anytime soon. Yeah. Like, have you got any goals? What's your goals? Yeah, sort of that's leading a good into the next couple of years. So yeah, like I. Obviously, you have a wife and three great, beautiful kids, so just uh, spend as much time as I can with them. But, yeah, I'm, I'm close to signing um, you know, another three years with Channel 9 uh, and, and 3AW and um, you know, and property is a passion of mine that I don't uh, have to do a lot of work in it, but um, I'm always studying the markets mm-hmm. and um, you know, and even you know, with a, a you know, financial growth group and uh, always looking at – you know, major things that we can all chip money into and just watch it grow and re- improve it as a business and then see in you know, five, ten years' time, play the long game, how mm-hmm. um, yeah, you could you know, sell down the track. So uh, I have a real interest in that, those things yeah, as well. You're yeah. saying off air before, if you're happy to, to yeah. allude to it, but you're saying you're like buying just yeah. parts of airports? Airport, yeah. Like, like uh, yeah, everyone might, you know, through the, the funds of everyone within right. the company yeah, might. Right. Yeah, by, by say Novotel Twin Waters, for example, uh, where all the players stay through the hubs. Yeah. Um, yeah, and might you know, put in uh, uh, a new venue for weddings and reception centres and get the occupancy up and get the businesses up that way. And then and then um, someone might want to buy it 10 years down the track or five years down the track. And that's just something that I've just fascinated by. I only own a few bricks of buildings, but um, <laughs> there's a real fascination in how businesses can run and run better and um, yeah, and have a little bit of a stake in it. So, um, yeah, that's sort of what I like to do apart from quiet time with the family outside of, of my footy commitments. Love it. And last question, do you ever see yourself getting back in to the footy club level? I always thought that if my media didn't go well for me that I, I would have. Mm. But um, I don't have a desire to be a senior coach uh, at this point. Like I get as much out of coaching at a lower level than I would um, at AFL level. So it's probably – more so now, um, 
you know, when my time's go, would I go on, you know, be a board member or yeah. try and help the club out in, in that sort of manner. But um, probably the you know, that ship might have sailed now with um, extending out probably what I'm going to do media-wise over the next three or four years. No, nah, it's awesome, mate. Good on you. It's uh, it's incredible to catch up today. I really do appreciate it. I hope we touched on um, everyone's everyone's questions because there is there was so much there to, to get through. But, um, yeah, it's incredible, mate, really, honestly. It's 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 a massive respect to what you man I do. I love the way you handle yourself in the media and how honest you give it. Mm. Something that, um, to be honest, I'm still trying to improve, I think. Mm. Being able to give your opinion and stick by it is something mm. that, and being honest and just being your authentic self is something that's that is really challenging when you're talking about tough topics. So um, love it, admire it, keep going, mate. We um, we love having you on the show. Thanks, well done on what you're doing, and uh, great to chat. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for listening to another Producey podcast. If you enjoyed the show, that'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest, or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at Producey.com. Thanks for tuning in. Illy XX.